Welcome to Waking Up to Grace, uh, sponsored by BibleTuddy.net, Bible study without the BS. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, today we're going to talk about church, and uh, we're going to talk about what it means, what it is, and uh, I'm going to start with, uh, actually I looked it up in the, the Naves Topical Bible Reference System. Uh, you look up church, comma, uh, place of worship. And it says, note, nowhere in the scripture does the word church identify a place of worship, but rather a group or body of believers, and only in the New Testament. And so that's a topical reference system, you know, that came up with that conclusion. And so, you know, you think about what we're, you know, kind of tuned by society to say is I'm going to church and got back from church, but uh, scripturally, that's actually not even a correct statement to make because you're you're saying that I I went to the body of believers and then I came and I went and I left and I went back again. But in reality, if if the church is the body of believers, then then Dad, what would you say? <laughs> I would say you're in church pretty much whenever you're going. You know, I mean, you ain't got. But go what about your famous place. line? From the last oh, <laughs> oh we are the church yeah. <laughs> exactly there is no bricks and mortar we are the church you 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 never leave once you come in <laughs> you never leave just like the eagles song but you you, you yeah. can't really check out anytime you want you're stuck there but it's a good thing <laughs> yeah. god says that yeah. you'll never no none of his will be taken from his hands so we have security you know, that we're always there. So it's like, sorry, you know, you're going to be in Christ's love forever. I hate to break the bad news, but you never left church since you became a believer. And uh, so, you know, what is what is the body of believers look like as described in scripture? You know, I mean, one of the one of the neatest passages is, is in First Corinthians. It says uh, 12 verse uh, chapter 12, verse 12 in the NIV version. It says just as a body. Though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are we're all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, uh, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving great honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should be equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. 
Hey, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. <laughs> you know, so you have one person that has a you know, gift of teaching and and you might think like, is that what I should be doing? Or maybe one person's better at sharing the message, even though actually evangelism isn't even listed as a fruit of the spirit. There's, there's obviously instances where people share and, you know, you got some people out there, you know, just uh, really showing off, like, look at me, but you know, I mean, God has to, God has to make those plants grow. Otherwise they're just completely ineffective anyways. And so the, there's a, the body's made up of all types of parts. And so, you know, there, you know, there's other passages, right? So what do you guys think? I mean, pretty cool that we're all like individual parts and we all perform different functions, isn't it? It sure is. And the yeah. fact that Christ is the head, we're all connected to Christ. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that, that's a way better meaning of church than a building built by the hands of man isn't it yeah and so you you picture that and you're like so when jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead all of a sudden he distributed his spirit into all of the believers and he's everywhere his body you know he's the head of it all and we're all part of his body and it's just it's i mean it's just amazing and (laughs) it's crazy he's everywhere unseen Unseen, the unseen church is everywhere. The real church is is all around us, yes. all around us, but it's not contained to a building. It can't be contained by bricks and mortar. It's There's nothing holy about a building that you call a church. It's not even an accurate statement, although we use it because it's just so commonly said. I think it probably got, got used for this, the reason of you're coming together as a you're calling yourselves a body of believers coming together you think mm-hmm. that's why it got but but even then even if you looked at it as a gathering and you said uh, you know we're uh we're gonna get together and call it church you know it's still it's still not accurate it's not right. a gathering it's the body of believers right so the body of believers in Corinth, the body of believers in Galatia that Paul wrote to, you know, he was writing to the believers. And I, I'm sure plenty of people that were gathering with them probably, you know, read those letters and weren't, it didn't do any good for them. They fell away into the legalism because they weren't part of the body. But he addressed those people as saints in all his letters and and, uh, you know, he gave them the benefit of the doubt, even the immoral brother, you know, that was uh, committing some sexual immorality that was just ridiculous. He addressed him as a saint, actually, and a, a part of, of the body. And it's like you look back on that, do you know, if he was really saved, did, did Paul really know, but uh, he addressed him. Uh, he gave him the benefit of the doubt because it's not a, it was about uh, being part of the body and uh, not about uh, the works. Right. And the guy did end up, we talked about that. He did. They had to uh, put him outside of the church for a while, but not too long. And he mm-hmm. did come back. And Yeah. And so actually from their, from their gathering, you know, the, the gathering of the, the church in that area. Yeah. So it's, it's like you see it in the context of, of them referring to the, the gatherings as the church, but the, the reality of the church is, is that it was to the, to the people who actually believed. And so if you, th- even if you read like revelations, it'll say to the angel of the church in this, you know, in certain areas. 
And so, you know, that message was being broadcast to the believers, but not everybody who received it was. So, you know, I see what I'm saying. And so it was a spiritual message made to get them to change their minds back around. Like you're drifting away, you're falling under a spell, kind of like the Galatians. You know, you guys are drifting away, wake up. Right. But there are most certainly people that were uh, members in that Galatian church fell away to the law. It had they had to have. I mean, they were they were being blinded, not believers, not true believers. You know, you're talking, you know, when you look at the parable of the seed and the soil, you know, they the one seed fell <laughs> in one area and one in another. And so sometimes you'll people will hear the message and receive it with great joy. But the you know, the the weeds and the worries of the world will take it away. And, um, you know, so there's all these different ideas that the scripture gives us, but never is there really an example of a, a true member of the church or a true believer falling away. No, that we know that's not possible. And it reminds me of that verse, too, um, where all, all are invited, all are called, but few are chosen. Are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. So there's a good example of that. Many are called, few are chosen. You're writing a letter to this um, body of of believers, this gathering where the there's elect. to the elect, but likely there would be um, there would have been people that that uh, weren't chosen there, listening that fell away to the law, like you said. Yep. And so then in Ephesians, we read, and God put all things under Christ's feet and gave him to the church as head over all things. Now the church is his body, the fullness of, of him who fills all in all. Which is in his body. Wow. Ephesians 2.19, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you are too, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So we are the the we are not only the church, but we are uh, our bodies are like temples, you know, our holy temples. That sounds like holding a familiar verse. The spirit of Christ. Body of a temple, yeah. 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 There's no part too big or too small. Right. Right. And so you see, like there there would be all you know all different gifts that we get, all different levels of grace, all different. Uh, levels of faith even you know as there's mentions in scripture and so we're all encouraging each other you know so if there's a weaker part we help it along and maybe that weaker part is somehow being used god's using all these parts right. you know you think like like he said in that passage you know you might think oh that's parts useless you know no parts useless so uh, you know and you know uh, according to 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 that passage don't remove your tonsils just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you think about the fact that um, certain parts that are deemed like less uh, less important, like I think he's talking about the feet there, right? Get mm -hmm. treated with the utmost, you know, where in washing feet was a big thing. Yeah. What do you think that was displaying or 
Why do you think that is? Well, you know, it just be it could be a lot of things. You know, I mean, maybe the feet are the people carrying the message. You know, well, he does. And blessed are the feet of those who carry the good that's news. True. So that's probably why he was making them known to be uh, special by washing them. Yeah. Maybe some people are just, uh, I mean, Christ is ahead, so I don't know. Uh, well, he does mention being an ear or a, or a nose right. or a mouth. <laughs> Somebody who just likes to talk, maybe. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So then Paul says, I became a servant um, of this gospel according to the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the exercise of his power. To me, less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given to proclaim to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to enlighten everyone about God's secret plan, the mystery that has been hidden for ages in God who has created all things. The purpose of this enlightenment is that through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God should now be disclosed to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. This was according to the eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and confident access to God by way of Christ's faithfulness. And that comes from the NET translation. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty neat that he talks about the, the purpose of the enlightenment is through the church. The, multi, uh, the multifaceted wisdom of God should now be disclosed to rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. I mean, this, this church thing is big. You know, it's big time. You know, this is this is the new covenant. You know, we are the church. That 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 is the. I mean, the new covenant is all about the church, isn't it? It is. It's all about it. It's all about the church. There's one body, according to Ephesians, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Want to read the next one? Yeah. Um, I was just seeing. So do you think that means uh, the purpose of this enlightenment is that through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God should now be disclosed to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. So does that mean angels and and those? The, in... the saints are above all things, according to, I forget the, the passage, but it, we will judge all things as the saints. The saints are something very special. So he's, he's talking about us, that it would be disclosed mm -hmm. to us, and he's calling us the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to understand is, um, that part that says your question. the purpose of this enlightenment is that through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God should now be disclosed to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. The wisdom realms. of God is being disclosed to the, basically to the heavenly realms. So it's not just to the earth. It's also being disclosed in heaven because, you know, we, we have this new age upon us, as the scripture describes. A lot of people think that, you know, it's like the, the world is going to end and there's going to be a, a new thing. You know, there's a lot of talk about that. But mostly what you see in scripture is the end of an old age and the beginning of a new age. And we're in the new age. 
And so heaven and earth have, have changed through the transformation of what Christ did. Everything changed. You know, this is declared in the heavens and on earth. This is a big deal. You know, we're living in a new age, a new covenant. That's the old world is done. And now we're in this new, this new age of the world. So that's something to notice there, that it's pretty wild. Disclosed into the heavenly realms. It's powerful. Well, in Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. That's something you might read. So they, uh, so Christ Himself gave the apostles, prophets, and evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip His people for works of service. So they're equipping us. So the apostles were to equip us. Got it. And the apostles were, you know, were kind of a lot of things: prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. They probably those guys probably would have qualified as all those things, right? <laughs> when you really think about it. <laughs> So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of grace. This fullness of Christ. So, I mean, what is what is he saying here? We all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. So, I mean, they're they're he's talking about the the knowledge the knowledge of christ that's how we become mature and some people just make such light of it like all you ever do is talk about the cross it's boring let's move on it's like but you know you you can proclaim that you believe jesus died for your sins with your mouth and know nothing about it because you know i'd say 99 percent of the population can do that they know what jesus did but they have no idea what it means the depth of it it's it's not something that you just hear it and repeat it like a parrot you know and, and I, I used to you know be capable of doing something like that before i really understood i knew somebody said what did jesus do he died for my sins but i didn't know anything about it i didn't know what was going on right you know why did that matter <laughs> didn't fully understand and just figured oh i'll i'll uh go to church next week and get pumped back up and yeah um yeah just invite your friend to church in order to help them understand but we all have what it takes yeah we all should have what it takes to be able to understand for ourselves and share that understanding yeah yeah and yeah for the especially for the benefit of our own peace i mean right. how could you not want that peace and so he goes on to say then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. <laughs> Legalists. <clears throat> oh, sorry, something in my throat. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That's a great passage. I mean, I, the, the whole infant being tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. 
cunning and craftiness. I mean, that just completely reminds you of the worldly teachings of legalism. Do this and be blessed. Do that and grow. And and it's it's not about what we do. It's about what Christ did. Right. It's not what would Jesus do. It's what did Jesus do? What would Jesus do? I mean, he would do the right thing every single time. That's the only way you can answer that. You're not going to do that. But what did Jesus do? And why does that matter? What did he do? Right. Maybe we're going to get to that part. Yeah. There's a favorite part I have where something Paul says. I think we're going to get to it, though. Go ahead. Lead on. But, yeah, if if we're not, um, if we don't mature in our faith, then we're forever an infant risking being tossed back and forth and not getting the full full feelings of peace and grace and yeah so i mean uh, oftentimes you could you know if, if a church is just teaching nothing but legalism and double talk i mean it kind of just seems like an infant daycare center doesn't it i mean they're keeping every like these adults as infants you know we should be adults in the faith but they're keeping you in the stage of infancy you know, as the Apostle Paul would say, drinking milk instead of eating meat. I mean, shouldn't we go on to, to spiritual maturity and go way beyond, you know? I mean, if, if we're, you know, it's 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 silly, you know, when you think about it. Yeah. Why would you want to be the infant? <laughs> I felt that way where I was just kind of stuck there and dependent on on a pastor to fully explain. Yeah or um, even fully explained to me or anyone else. Yeah, you kind of, I felt stuck, certainly. Yeah, and a good teacher, that's great, you know, if you get latched onto something good. But if you know that you have something good, it's only because you you checked it out. You know, if you're just listening because, oh, let's see what's popular out there, and that sounds good, you know, it's like that's that's not uh, how the Bereans did it. The Bereans went to the scriptures, and they said what he said is, is true. And Paul commended him for that. He didn't, they didn't just believe whatever was popular. They commended Paul for, or the Brians were commended by Paul for seeking out the truth and looking and checking everything. So I'd say the same thing to our audience, check out all this stuff, make sure that what we're saying is true. If you haven't done that, you haven't done your homework, (laughs) your spiritual homework of the day. But it's it's fulfilling. It's not a it's not a chore when you start having that desire to seek the truth. It's not a chore. So what do you got, Melissa? Pick a passage. We got a whole page full of them. We don't have to read them all because I think we'll run out of time. Um. Oh, you. No wonder you're putting me on the spot here. Wives, submit yourself. <laughs> you picked the long one. Submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, oh, yeah. as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Amen. I think he set me up to read this. What do you think? <laughs> oh, but Jesus didn't forget. Husbands, love your wives. Paul didn't forget. He's critical of the husbands too. Led by Christ here. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. That's powerful. That's a lot of love. That is a lot of love. He's not holding back. 
you know if you're if your wife is looking up to you you better love her otherwise you're not doing your part jesus love her. wow and that's only possible with the holy spirit isn't it yeah and he's he's yeah go on this is actually a really pretty passage and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the world word through the word hello cleansing her by the washing with water through the word promise and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself after all no one ever hated their own body but they fed and cared for their body just as Christ does the church for we are members of his body for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united with, to his wife and the two will become one flesh this is a profound mystery but i'm talking about Christ and the church however each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband that is a neat passage and he's he interjects and saying this is a mystery but i'm talking about Christ and the church and so you're like okay he's got two things going on here he's he's yeah. painting this imagery of a of a of a marriage that's really beautiful but mixing it into this spiritual message and that's pretty cool yeah. i mean you, you could just ponder that passage you know for a while and get and just be like amazed by it yeah pretty neat Yes. Pretty neat. And, and so, I definitely like the first verse the best. <laughs> Husband, love <laughs> that's your wife. Just, let's just pull that one out and put that up on the screen and do a sermon on it. <laughs> <laughs> Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Sorry, let's just stop there and then we'll start and talk about it. How about that, Melissa? Isn't that been, what they do at church? I think uh, it's a Mennonite thing, isn't it? Well, I'm just saying in general, we can just pick out a passage and we'll talk about it. We'll just pull it completely out of the blue and then we'll collect it with some other ones and weave them together. And, and uh, suddenly my wife will have to be perfectly obedient to me. <laughs> you Bible study without the BS anymore. That's true. But, All right, but so scratch that idea. <laughs> it is a beautiful way that we ought to, uh, the Holy Spirit leads us to want to behave in these ways doesn't it yeah it's Isn't really it? neat it's really neat yeah. there's spiritual guidance mixed with you know it's just cool yeah. so then colossians he himself is before all things and all things are held together in him he is the head of the body the church as well as the beginning the firstborn from the dead so that he himself may become first in all things that's pretty cool. Things, yeah. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, Colossians 1.24, NET. I know I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I fill up in my physical body for the sake of his body, the church, what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Okay, here's another one here. Colossians. Maybe we can hit them all. Maybe we can get to all of them. What do you think, Melissa? Otherwise, we can skip through. I got a lot of passages here. A lot of good ones. Yeah. Still awake, everybody out there? All right, we're gonna give it a go. We're gonna, we're gonna, we wanna describe the church perfectly. 
Yes. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews uh, grows as uh, God causes it to grow. I think I said that a little weird, but you get the point. So basically, he's just saying that uh, you know, you're puffed up with a, a bunch of gibberish. You know, you've lost attachment to the head. Maybe you're uh, like the vine, you know, that, uh, you know, if, if the vine is, uh, how, how did that passage go? The, the dead branches will be cut off of the vine. The vine, and, you are the branches. Yeah. yeah. So there's, you know, those those parts were never meant to stay, evidently. Right. You know, so another parable, another uh, example there of, you know, of that kind of a thing. So you, you find as a Christian that you have to come to terms with this, that there's going to be people that may seem like Christians, but you know, they, they may not be. And uh, if, if they stop believing, they were not obviously chosen for <laughs> for salvation. And you how, do you, how do you... Um... What's their fruit? What are you looking for? They're lo you're looking for the truth, you know. And and once you're once you're entrenched in the truth, you don't you don't turn back, you know. I mean, you would you'll know. And it's like you don't have to be scared. Like, oh, what if I'm not saved? It's not like that. It's like, and that's all just more motivation to seek truth and to to confirm the truth because that's when you get that assurance. That's when you understand that you're saved and you're forever saved. That's when you get that peace and that's why the mm -hmm. apostle Paul's always encouraging people to understand the depths of God's love, understand the depths of the cross and what Christ did for us because that's where you receive that the the actual peace that comes from knowing you're saved and you don't ever have to blow around in the wind oh, you like the like the infants where one teaching and the next like oh no what if i'm not saved oh no what if what i did is not gonna it's gonna affect my salvation that's that's immaturity uh, and i don't know if we did maybe we're still going to get to that part but i love when he he's hoping in uh, one of his letters there that they're filled to the to the full measure yeah i don't know if it's in here because this was actually just about the church okay uh, but it, them, but um, would... maybe there's i think there is some passages regarding that if you want to read colossians 3 12 therefore as god's chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience and how do you do that? You got to clothe, clothe yourself with Christ. Exactly. Which happens when you're born again and you receive the spirit. Exactly. You need the spirit. Moving on. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And overall, these virtues and overall these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. So pause there, you know, he's not, this isn't a commandment to keep. Mm -hmm. This is a spiritual guide, you know, to, um, you know, realize that uh, the, if God's love is working through you, 
You know, that's that's what gives you the power to forgive as the Lord forgave you. The realization of how forgiven you are is what would give you the the abilities to be able to forgive somebody else, even in a similar way. It's impossible, but the Christ is living in us, and that's what makes it possible. It's not a commandment to keep. It's a spiritual guide to help the, you know, the newborn Christian to go on to maturity. This is what love looks like. This is what God's love looks like. And this is what's going to be coming through you as you mature. Right. Because you're going to be clothed with him. So let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You can't stop it. That's the beauty of it all. But he's trying to show you. Let, just let it rule because that's what it looks like on the surface. You know, when, when God does his thing, you're, that is what's happening. You're letting it rule since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Mm. That's awesome. That sounds just like a like a Norman Rockwell version of Christianity, just together singing hymns. I mean, it sounds like a, a perfect harmony. It's a beautiful picture. And would you not? So I'm going to start singing my hymn right now, if you don't mind. Go for it. I'm just, I'm kidding, but I mean, that'd be actually pretty cool. Don't you think it's a, it's a portrayal of heaven? Um, what that will be like? It could be. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a very spiritual thing, you know, you wouldn't expect to see that unless you were really in a spiritual situation, right. you know, almost like Pentecost in my mind, you're thinking like, wow, this is. This is cool, but this could happen with the right body of believers and these things could happen. And we all, you know, as, as believers crave these things, but, you know, we're not going to find these things in legalism. So, you know, we're left to, to seek out true believers, you know, and there's just not, um, they're, they're not as many as the multitude as there is the infants (laughs) or even the non-believers that think they're believing right. Uh, and, uh, they just haven't been given the, the knowledge yet. You know, there's just all kinds of, you know, we don't know where people are in their walk, you know, and we don't know even somebody who seems really ridiculous could be saved and you don't know it. It's just not their time. So we're not, we're not made to judge those things. All we can judge is what's coming out of somebody's mouth and heart. What are they saying? They're saying things that aren't in line with scripture and something needs a tune up. Right. Yes. I'm I'm guessing that people would probably have in mind like a Billy Graham fill the auditorium when you're reading that, but that's not. I think mostly people are probably crying because they're so guilty. Yeah. <laughs> I need help. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, a lot of grace missing there, isn't there? Then the next day, like, I don't think it worked. I'm still sitting. <laughs> it's like, um, you know, yeah, he's missing a lot of, a lot of, it's a double message with a lot of teachers, a lot of, you know, what you find out there. It's just kind of a kind of thing that people probably think, oh, well, that happens at Billy Graham. Mm -hmm. Um, 
gatherings, but that's not. I don't think they sing hymns and psalms, though. I'd have to look back. I don't really watch that much of that. And it wasn't that interested when I when I watched. Found too many errors. But uh, anyhow, Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith of God, um, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope, you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I think we read that one already. But to each one of us, grace. As uh, yeah, each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And then earlier he said that uh, um, that our faith has been distributed to us. And it's like wow. So all this stuff is just being given to us. I thought the you know I used to think the faith was something I produced, but it's been distributed to us. So that no man may boast. Yep. It is distributed however Christ appoints it. Yep, apportioned so it. That makes sense why I have a little more than you. Yeah, we all <laughs> we all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophecy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So that's pretty cool. And if you were to prophesy, you know what? Uh, what's 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 one of the requirements of a you know of a prophet? And just in the Old Testament, what would they have been? What would have been causing this prophecy? They would have to be. They were chosen by God and led by the Spirit. And so they'd be teaching something true and something spiritual. So if you if you're if you're teaching something from the scripture to somebody that's true, you could say you're prophesying because it's it is true. And um, so you know a, a prophecy could be just something that's true in scripture, just leading to somebody to the truth, you know, in their situation, something scriptural. You know, it could be those types of things. It's not necessarily, and it's most certainly not somebody reading Revelations predicting the future, because there's actually a quite a quite a, a lot of, uh, of information out there that would lead you to realize that the you know the everything has already been finished, and you could probably learn more from Revelations by looking at history. Uh, but that's for another uh, topic for another subject. So, but uh, if, if you're freaking out, thinking the world's coming to an end, just you can calm down a little bit because uh, I think you're, if you read the Bible, you'll find that you don't have to be so worried about that anymore. But we'll get into that in another call. We'll keep people's appetites wet for that one. Right. So anyhow, Jesus, John 2.19, NIV, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days? 
But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. So his body was the temple. So the church is the body of Christ. It's everywhere. It's not a building. You uh, So that means, you know, if you're feeling bad that you didn't go to church uh, last week, you missed church. Um, guess what? You can't. I like, guess you don't have to feel bad because you are the church. <laughs> now, am I saying don't gather with like-minded believers? Don't gather with uh, people in truth? Of course not. Why else would we be doing this call? Why else do we get together every week? It's This is the how we grow in grace together. That'd be silly. You can't stop that calling. That's right. So anybody got anything to add, take away, anything to say? What you got, anybody? I can good. Thank you. That was good. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I thought so, too. That was good. That was a very encouraging scripture to look at. Yeah, I like Jesus's definition of the church better than humans. Yeah. And I like the fact that yeah. we never leave. Yeah. We can't leave. So we don't ever have to worry about that. We don't have to have any guilt. Yeah. Yeah, that's just all around better. I know there's like that passage where two or more gather in my name, I will be there. And, uh, you know, the context of that passage could have been, um, I've heard it be like, if you really look at it, it, it was more so being uh, taught to the apostles at that time, told to them, because they were going to be the ones deciding like all these little issues that were going on. And you see in the book of Acts, you know, they talked about, uh, they had a meeting in, in the book of Acts about uh, people getting uh, put under law about certain things. You know, the circumcision group was confusing people. And so they met and then they came up with an answer. You know, well, what should we give them? They need, they're asking, what, what should we do? You know, and so they said, like, don't eat the meat of strangled animals and don't commit sexual immorality. Uh, but you're free in Christ, basically. And so they, they it's like they threw them a bone like here. This is this is what we're going to tell you. Simple guidance. You know, don't do sick sexual things and don't eat meat from strangled animals. Is that if, if you need something to guide you, just use that so that you can stop being confused and move on to maturity. <laughs> right. So he was he was regularly encouraging people to move on from maturity but so to the point though not to interrupt you know so they were gathering and then he was there to help them figure out that matter um i, I heard that take and it was pretty good a pretty good take I, I have to actually take a closer a closer look um you know to see but i know prior prior to hearing that i had always just thought well you know, here's how, here's how I was looking at it. Where two or more gather, well, when isn't there two or more gathering? You know, you have you have uh, the me, uh, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I mean, we're having a party in here. <laughs> so yeah. there's different ways you could look at that passage, right? <laughs> yes. So of course I'm sure there's a proper context, you know, and, and uh, you know, but uh, you know if you're hung up on that passage in the wrong context, don't worry because even if you looked at it and then the way that two or more gathering, you know, there's there's more than one in you. Right. <laughs> so not to worry. So it's good to want together with with other people and get together. 
Um, but you don't have to feel like you have to, or else Christ won't be there. That doesn't make sense, right? We just talked about he's inside of us. Yeah, think about Paul in prison writing his letters. Yeah. Where, where was where was his fellowship that week? It was right there with him the whole time. Yeah, yeah. So we can always rest assured that Christ is with us all the time in our hearts because He gave us those hearts. It's pretty awesome. It's way awesome. Well, I guess we'll call it a wrap. Uh, waking up to grace at ibletuddy.net. That's Bible study without the BS. Thank you for joining. Check out our website. Check out our podcast and subscribe to our videos because we would love to have your subscription. Thank you. Amen. And uh, God bless.